Hello and welcome to another episode of the UK Airshow Review Podcast, the podcast we started when we had no airshows to review. My name is Sam Wise. On the UCAR forums, my username is Wissam24. And joining me tonight are... Dom Vickery, Dominic Vickery, no, wait, Dominic Vickery, <laughs> Dom Vickery on the forum. And I'm Nick Jennings, Jal Frazee on the forum. There's three people here. I mean, <laughs> I'm, st- I'm, I'm still a newbie, I'm still a newbie. I'm not... <laughs> We'll do it every week, don't worry. <laughs> so, the world's back, going back into lockdown. Um, everyone's had f- flights and holidays cancelled this year, and it doesn't really look like it's... The global situation is, is on its way out anywhere, so we thought this would be the best time to talk about going abroad, going to shows overseas, and generally doing all the things we're not allowed to do at the moment. Um, obviously, as you can tell... Tom, Ian and Dan have gone AWOL this week, um, so we'll be missing their dulcet tones, but Nick's joined us again this week to chat about the hobby overseas. Um, probably the, the moment, given that the UK airshow scene is getting smaller and smaller, maybe more and more people are looking at shows overseas to get their fix, just to add more volume to their calendar. But not everyone has done it. It's not something everyone's pulled the trigger on. Some people might be unsure. You know, it's, it's going abroad, trying to organise something like that in a, in a foreign country with a different language can be tough um, or, or possibly intimidating. And But it can be uh, incredibly rewarding. Um, all three of us have been to shows abroad and I think we've all absolutely loved it and would do it again. Is that right? Would that be fair to say? 100%. I, I definitely think so, yes. I think it was quite late for the year that actually some of the, the foreign shows were planned to go. We couldn't actually get to so up until August, September. I think some of us were still trying to hold out hope for a couple of shows in France. That's right. Um, well, obviously, Le Ferté was, was cancelled back in Le Ferté LA, which is obviously one of the most famous air shows in Europe, actually, certainly on the vintage scene. And that was that was traditionally held at the end of may um and it was they, they were holding out hope to reschedule it for october and then obviously that hasn't happened and then similarly paris villaroche no no milan villaroche paris air legend air show which is a newcomer on the scene it's only in its third year and they were they were holding out hope for right until the last breath i think that it was going to happen and then yeah we all know you know familiar story yeah, and, and and actually, you're right, completely right. It was one that we were definitely um, sort of sort of holding out, really holding out hope that it might have happened. I think a lot of us were making plans for it. Um, but yeah, so so there's air shows, and then a lot of people have been spotting abroad as well. So that that's a completely different kettle of fish as well, because that's where you start running into different regulations and different states of legality and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and we'll we'll have a chat about that. So, so Dom, we've been on holiday together to go to an air show, and that actually was Milan Villa Roche last year. What did you think of your was that that was your first overseas air show air show proper, wasn't it? Uh, no, second. My first was the Poznan air show that was tied into the back of Tiger Me. Yes, of course. Eighteen was it? Yes. Know. Was that your yes. first? That your first? That was your first. That was the first. Overseas air show. Oh okay. no, actually, tell a lie. Tell a lie. 2007. Uh, I took a year out, went backpacking. I was in Australia. 
I saw a flyer for an Australian air show, so jumped on the train mm. an hour and a half just outside of Sydney. Then I saw, uh, this is where you got your buffalo shots. Mm. Mm. Yep. Yep. But I so wasn't pop- really into the hobby that much then. I knew of my aircraft. I knew what was what, basically. But compared to what I know now, what I do now in the hobby. So I don't really plan. No, I, I get that. I, it, it's it's similar. I think a lot of people probably went to air shows when they were younger, but don't necessarily count it because it wasn't part of the hobby. You know that that wasn't that wasn't you going to an overseas show as part of your hobby, was it? That was just a, no, no, no. You just you were already in Australia. Yeah. Um. So yeah, in that case, Poznan. I don't think that was your favourite show you've ever been to, <laughs> was it? No, I think Tiger Meat and the Poznan Air Show wasn't the greatest i think the only the, the, the redeeming feature for it was the fact that we wasn't actually in the air show we yeah. spent the weekend in the naughty field mm-hmm. yeah. the, the show, show wasn't that bad though was it the show the show was okay it was the actual tiger meat event itself that was pretty poor yeah but mm. yeah definitely no i mean if, if if a uk show had a similar lineup to that it would be classic a success. I think you could compare it to maybe say a Cosford sort of show. Okay. A good mix of home-based stuff and granted because of the Tiger Meat but there was some good foreign participation as well. Um, file Demo Pair. Uh, Spanish Typhoon, excuse me. Um, some other bits and mods as well. And the home-based team Mid-29, mm. Good show. It was, and what, it was a good show what, for what, what it was. And, and obviously Nick, you were there as well. What what were the differences between a sh- you know that as a show overseas versus what you might have got in the UK? I mean, were there any noticeable differences? Was it was it basically the same? I mean, <clears throat> I mean, obviously there was some home filler acts that you obviously wouldn't get in the UK just just because purely of the distance. Um, mm. so, so there was aerobatic teams and things like that that you just wouldn't see in the UK. Um, a lot of the big military stuff. You would, you do tend to see that stuff come over for things like Riyadh. Mm. Um, but yeah, a lot of the smaller stuff wouldn't, obviously, because of the distance. But I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not talking just in terms of participation. <clears throat> Excuse me, but um, you know, organisationally, the feel of the air show, the crowds, you know, di- di- I'm sure distances were exactly the same if, or further. But I mean, in th- things like that, things that made you know, you was there anything that you were like? you know you know that this isn't a uk air show oh, it's difficult to say really for the poznan one because we didn't actually go to the show <laughs> so, yeah well so, yeah fair so, enough <laughs> i mean we, we went in briefly photographed the static and then left for the naughty yeah. field so yeah, yeah we didn't really get to sample the show um and obviously i mean if you're on the, if you're on the show ground itself you were looking into the sun all day so from a photography yeah. point of view it, it, it just wasn't viable for us really it would have been a waste of waste of a show. I think for the, the, the crowd line was miles away, or the display line was miles away from the crowd as well. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, we was in a naughty field, pretty much over it. Cause the, the reason I asked the question is my... I have been lucky to have gone to quite a lot of shows in Europe, and my experience has been that of a lot of shows, a lot of countries, they just do things differently. Um, I think in particular places like france french air shows have a feel about them that is different to air shows in the uk or different to a majority of air shows in the uk places like 
Laferte LA and and Milan Villaroche as well has has captured it. It, it it's just this it's almost hard to say why but it, there's just this you, you come out of it feeling like the French just know how to do shows everything seems to be about the show there's the in fact you know I think it came out in the reviews of, of the shows that we've done both both of those that I've mentioned it's things like you you never see any stalls or you know shops traders that just aren't aviation related in some way you don't get people selling sofas and holiday homes and <laughs> bars and all that Costco sort of membership. stuff which well but but exactly um you don't get any of that everything even when it is you know independent traders and stuff they're all selling aviation related stuff or and and even uh, you know the, the the beer places will have show themed cups and uh, air legend they have like to be selling a particular aviation themed gin and stuff like that you know it's just there's a feel about it like it's just all about the air show and not it doesn't feel as corporate does it it doesn't feel as corporate it doesn't feel as you know generic public eventy which a lot you know not a lot but some shows in the uk particularly the larger shows have all turned towards becoming you know that those generic family day outs to a greater or lesser extent i mean we we've all railed against react and their stated mission um to be that something like yeovilton has got a lot of praise in recent years for not necessarily going down that way although those stalls and traders are still there but the, yeah the french shows in particular just have a feeling about them the flying is fantastic and the commentary is wild and they do dumb things with it and they put set pieces on like the Tora 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 um, one at La Ferte LA is is worth going to see alone when you've got what 11 to 13 uh, T6s all diving in rasping past you as they go you know with explosions in the background it's an awesome sight and of course you see all the warbirds and pl- other planes you, you don't tend to see in the UK as well um and then the other, the other, certainly European. And you know, none of none of us have been to every show in Europe, so we can only really comment on what we've been to. The other one that really stands out for me as a place to go in Europe is Denmark. Um, I've been to the last two Danish air shows, and every single time, or both times, they've just been had a. And I'm sure if you go back in the UK to some of the base open days, it was similar. But this just unbelievable sense of opening the doors to the public to show what the air force are about and everything yeah. is garnered towards showing off to the public you know they're free entry for a start um which in in denmark in you know quite an expensive countries it makes a difference anyway but this, this it, it actually can't be over and, and i i wax lyrical about it in my 2018 review of the show at arborg you, you you genuinely feel like an honoured guest on on at the base. Every single yeah. member of personnel wants to make you feel at home. Every single person it makes you feel like you're you're doing them a favour by turning up to their to their show to to see what they're doing. Um, and and the you know the Danish air shows fantastic quality anyway. The stuff they've had there they've had the flankers there because they've got this. Um, relationship with Ukraine. I think. I think the reason what it is is the Ukrainian air force transport like their fuel to some Danish outpost in Greenland or something. 
Um, so that so that Ukrainians send their flanker sent their flanker to the last couple of shows flanker display and an L seventy six. But just in general, the whole thing it just seems like this big because they only hold it every two years as well. But it just seems like this big event and big deal for the Air Force to be putting on, and they want to do the best they can to show everyone. And you don't feel like you're sort of getting in the way on their base sometimes. I think that's that's similar for a lot of European countries, though, isn't it? They they only tend to have one big show a year, and they mm. they pour everything into that show. Whereas obviously in the UK, we're we're often spoiled for choice. We we have a lot of air shows going on, not as many as we used to have in the past. Um, but there's a lot more different shows pulling at the same assets. Um, whereas obviously in Europe like you said Denmark probably just have the one big show every two years that's it yeah exactly um, same with uh, Czech Republic I went to the NATO days show at Ostrava that's very similar that the the sort of the home team pour everything into that show to make it something special mm. and I think that's maybe something we're missing in in this country because we have more shows well to go back to what Dave said last week um, is that the UK is almost unique in having an air show industry so there's there is competition and there is a, a you know a a, a a field that shows have to compete in and, and drives you know prices and money and all that sort of thing. Whereas when it is put on entirely by them and, and the things like those shows that you, that you mentioned, they are they are there as a way of justifying taxpayer expenditure. Yeah, like the whole point of them is to say this is what your tax money goes to. Have something back. But, you know, they're not a revenue generator, are they? No. And, and I think they raise money for charity in that. But but in general, I mean, it just I, the, the the Danes just incredible. They're just so welcoming. And then we had the Spotters Day, the day before the air show, and you got on the base and you you, you transported from the gate to the to the where the apron was, and you got off, and they were just like off you go. <laughs> and you just just a live apron where aircraft were arriving and taxiing in, and you were just allowed to walk around. Because they trusted you, they, they they trusted the spotters to not you know walk into propeller and not get in the way of the aircraft and stuff. They knew that people weren't going to be stupid, <laughs> which is more than you can say for the UK. Sometimes I was going to say, were there, were there any Dutch on that group? <laughs> <laughs> now there's a topic for another day. Um, and and but it was, and it's just it, this absolute feeling of trust and feeling more than anything actually. It was a feeling like you were part of the show. As the spotters group, you were part of the show. Like it was an inherent element of the show was this enthusiast thing that they put on. You know what? And, and there was no nannying or babying. We went and you, you had access to the same lunch tent as all the crews and air show organizers. I had my lunch sat next to a, like a brigadier general in the Danish Air Force, you know? It's just because cause you were seen as that welcome and that much a part of the show and not some annoying hindrance like you you feel like maybe some shows um um see enthusiasts as occasionally in the uk i'm not sure it's just the uk i think a lot of people would have had that Uh, we've had treatment obviously when we did the polish tiger meet um we weren't necessarily seen as a hindrance but it was just uh like cattle get the cattle in the truck and then Mm -hmm. we'll get the truck to the place push them all out um so yeah i'm not sure it's just a uk thing i think it depends mm. on the on the, the country and um their general sort of how they are i think we've all had that uh, uk show at some point but especially at the end of the end of the day we thought, right 
chose over you've had your fun go on on board with you like Oh well, well, that that's been a, a recurring complaint about Riyadh, even which which is is by far and away one of the most enthusiast friendly shows on the calendar. But even yeah, then, at I the end it's, of it, improved at Riyadh, but it's still there's still very much been complaints about the end of the day and getting kicked off the airfield even before the stated closing time. But the fucking damn Danish show, they they were like they didn't seem to want to close the airfield until the last person was off. But but that but that the general attitude with a lot of these places it was like well the show's for them why would we close it if they're still getting stuff out of it you know but as you say that's not universal that's not just a case if you have got the UK and then everyone else is like that it depends where you go and there is a you know a lot of variety in overseas shows um, Nick you've been to US shows as well does that compare on the other side of the pond. Um. So yes, which, which to a degree. I mean, uh, I've, I've done three shows. Uh, so I did El Centro, um, which is where the US Navy base, uh, Blue Angels winter base as well. Um, I did Davis Monthan, uh, which is where the A-10s are based. Oh, okay. And the other one was Yuma, which was Marine Corps. Um, mm-hmm. So they still had the Harriers and CH-53s. Um, mm. It's very strict over there. I mean taking in backpacks and things like that it's it's they're still very touchy over terrorism and things like that um, oh really yeah yeah you, taking in bags over a certain size is a no-no um they, so, so worse worse than what you get at react oh yeah yeah i mean they were even recommending on the websites to either not take a bag at all or to get a clear plastic satchel that you could put your stuff in so they could see <laughs> through it um so yeah they are very strict on that um, they are also similar in a way to the UK shows in that it gets to a certain point and they, they try and kick you off the base. Um, so it is similar in that way. Um, and their air shows are generally a smaller affairs. They're not, not as mm-hmm. large. Um, and you get a lot of filler acts as well. So you'll get your, your uh, few US assets, but then you'll get a lot of stunt flying and jet trucks and that sort of thing so it's, mm-hmm. it's a it's a different sort of vibe um it's it's definitely feels more family oriented at the u.s shows than maybe at some of okay, the uk shows because because i've always had the impression that the u.s air show world is very different to the european one um and and people and i've and i've heard that i've always had the impression that you do get a little bit more filler for want of a better term um than, than a major military air show here but 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 in terms of what you do get is it good it's, it's all well flown it's all i don't recall seeing anything but, but I mean, that was I mean, was was awful what what are they putting on you know if you look at a the sort of based the the the, the, the military based shows that we have and used to have here do they compare in terms of what the home team would put on or I mean, I didn't really do many of the sort of old shows in the UK, so I don't really have anything to base that on. Um, I never did, I never got a chance to do a Mildon Hall or mm. Finningley or any of those sort of shows. Um, so I haven't really but got... even to looking t- at Yeovilton now. Yeovilton I've done once. Um, I think there's more filler. The shows are generally shorter in the US. You may be looking at three hours for the show. Is that all? Yeah, three to four hours maximum. Um with probably half of that filler. 
Really? Yeah. Yeah. What are they like price-wise? Uh, from what I remember, they're pretty reasonable. Uh, it wasn't mm-hmm. a lot of money to get in, maybe $10, $10 $20, something like that. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so they weren't bad. Um, and, and obviously the, the, U- the US personnel there are all very friendly because it's more family oriented. Um, mm. they're, they're quite happy to chat to, to people looking at the aircraft and obviously they open up a lot of the big stuff. I mean, I think you find that it, when with, with US visitors to British air shows here as well as the crews are always among, certainly among the friendliest and, you know, f- first out as well. Yeah. Um, and often the last back in. Um, so I think that's that's obviously a US cultural thing um, of that openness and that willing to show off and talk about what they do, which I love is, is one of my favourite things about air shows is talking to the crews. Yeah, um, well, it's all good PR <laughs> at the end of the day, but well, that, that, that's literally all these shows are, isn't it? Yep. They, they they wouldn't do any of this if it wasn't you know a benefit to them. No, I think one of my favourite things as well. You do it Friday or Saturday. Yeah, it's just you don't even watch a flight; you just go and walk. You you know me, I I absolutely love a freebie. Um, I've always been very good at I've always been very good at chatting up crews for for freebies, right in front of uh, other people as well who don't get the same. Very swiftly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Shall I, shall I go and get them? Do you want to? Do you want to see the stuff I've got that you haven't done? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, going back to the US stuff, the 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 preservation scene is. I, I'm not overly bothered about going to the military shows in the US, um, with a few exceptions. But generally speaking, they don't doesn't do much for me. But the preservation scene, which you obviously didn't do, um, Nick. Oh, we did a few museums. But, well, I mean, I don't so much mean the museums, although, again, you know me, I bloody love a, <laughs> a foreign museum. Um, the, but, but the warbird scene over there, yeah, it looks incredible. I'm desperate to go and see some warbird shows in the US. The stuff they have, particularly on the sort of jet side, if I can, F-100, you know? Yeah, yeah. In pri- MiG-23s in private hands, you know? They still got a MiG-17 at well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Supposed to be a Lightning T5. Supposed to be brought back to the air as well. There's obviously a Sea Harrier. Yeah, that T5 has been being restored for the last must be like ten years. Yeah, I Is think it? it's getting close now. Yeah. Though. They've done engine runs every, and taxes. Every, every year is next year. Every year next year. To be fair, I can't imagine it's an easy plane to no to get going. But this is it. Be right. <laughs> um, but no, it it um. It's it is interesting when you go abroad and you, you do get a, particularly as you say we're spoiled in the UK I think to some degree and we talked about this last week as well um, you know we've got so much choice here and so many options that we do become very familiar with the British style of doing an air show um, and it is refreshing to go abroad and it is something that as shows here become fewer and fewer it's worth considering and travel now well not right now but certainly in recent years travel is, be- is so cheap at the moment these days compared with before it's so easy to go away for a weekend well i think that's that's part of the draw of going overseas it's so easy but it's so affordable when we did 
um, along last year, I'd probably spend you know, about 50 or 60 pounds less than what I spend on a free out match or repacking. Mm-hmm. That's including flights, hotels, mm-hmm. uh, you know, entrance, spots, food as well. Yeah, it, it's, it, it is. It's, it's I mean, because uh, I know um, Nick and I have both used tour agencies as well at various points um which is certainly an option and 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 i'm you know i'm not saying it's not an option at all because certainly when i first went to max in russia i went with ian allen and actually i think you went with for av last yeah that wasn't last was it last, last year? year yeah Jeez Christ. just over a year ago oh my god <laughs> Um, it feels like a lifetime ago. Um, yeah, and, and you went with Four Av, and, and I've I've used Four Av for stuff as well before. And but but would you would you always go with a tour group? Do you think? I haven't always gone with a tour group. It depends on the show and where it is. Um, mm. Obviously, there's always a feeling of safety in numbers, um, depending mm-hmm. on where you go. So I mean, I've I've done I've done trips on my own. I've obviously I've been to La Fertile and. Um, I've been to Santa Cole on my own, um, but somewhere like Russia was 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 just a bit daunting, I think. Uh, so I, 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 last three trips to Russia, I've gone with tour groups. Okay, because 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 the the thing is that when I went last year um, to Russia, I did it. I, I was with a bunch of people. I was actually with a, a group of poles who booked a, a bunch of rooms in a hotel and sort of largely went with them to stuff but it wasn't a group a tour group it was just tagging along with a, a group that i know had accommodation and just happened to get the train with them at the same time if you see what i mean um but i, I, I did that more or less by myself and then obviously you've done a, a more recent trip solo as well um which we might get on to later because we, we, we touch on sort of spotting and stuff um but it, i think and I'm, and I'm, lump, I'm not lumping you in with the, with the older generation, Nick. But I think there is a uh, well. No, no. I, I, hear, hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. I think there is a generational thing, and I'm not wanting to alienate any listeners or um, or, or make any generalizations because it's certainly not universal. But the thing that I've noticed is that older aviation enthusiasts tend to go with tour groups in general because. I, th- I do think there's a generational thing where younger people are much more accustomed to being able to do things independently and habitually using internet and smartphones, Google Maps and things like that. And booking stuff themselves isn't as alien or, or remotely as as seen as an obstacle as it is for a lot of older spotters. And, and, and I'm absolutely not including you in that, Nick, at all, because as you say, you've done stuff on your own anyway, but um, I, I ju- I'm just thinking in terms of tour groups in general. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose the older generation sometimes have more disposable income as well. Um, and there's that. And it, it is, I suppose, it's the safe option because you, you're with a group, um, so you don't have to worry about the flights, hotels, mm. transport, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. It's all taken care of. Um, mm. I, I just sort of want to make clear though that when you're with a tour group, when you actually get to the show, you don't stay together as a tour group. You do all go your separate ways and then yeah. meet back at the end. Um, so it's not like you have to stay with everyone else. Uh, but yes, um, 
I think you probably that, uh, that logistical effort of knowing you have transport at the beginning and end, yeah, sorted, and you don't have to worry about driving or trying to find a place or get a parking spot and all yeah. that. That's all sorted, and that that is very comforting. Plus, you've also got the evenings to think about as well. Obviously, if you're travelling alone, you you end up sitting in a restaurant on your own in the evenings. It's it's not particularly desirable. Um, obviously, if you know people where you're going, it's not so bad, but. But obviously, I think for that as well, you've got the social side of it as well. Mm. I mean, for what it's worth, I you know I talk about my experience of that is I'm have been I generally know how to go and find people to hang out with, and and very often I know people where I'm going as well, just in a hobby, if nothing else, um, because the, the the way it goes, it doesn't matter. You, you can go to pretty much any event in in Europe now, and you know that you, you're going to know a couple of other people going as well. I think. Um, which is great and and i love that social side of things and as you say it's easy when you're in a group um but i've always i've always probably generally been lucky to know people or, or been able to find people to hang out with but i but at the same time you know me i'm, I'm a habitual solo traveler um and and that's actually something i, I get off on I, I love just going outside my comfort zone and, and traveling by myself I think that depends think on the person. But, <laughs> sorry, I was just going to yeah. say, I think that depends on the person, doesn't it? Oh, well, massively. And, and that's not for everyone in the slightest measure at all. Maybe Sam travelling alone is vital. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> it's not what you were saying when you were begging me to take you to Engels. No, <laughs> yeah, well, you didn't. Have you been? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Never mentioned it>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, have I? Um, but that... Um, well, yeah, so, so that, that was actually one of my first... I think that was my second overseas air show, actually, wasn't it? 2016, Wonsan, North Korea. So would you do North Korea on your own? Well, you can't do North Korea on your own, can you? Oh, I don't know. But... No, you, no you, you have to go... Well, I mean, obviously other circumstances, but... Um, no, I wouldn't do. North, I don't. Wouldn't know how to. North, North Korea. I don't. First of all, I don't know if I would go back. Um, it depends on what you know. If they got a MiG twenty three or. Um, <laughs> no, no. That I think you you have to do them with tour groups, and particularly something like the air show. It was all done through tour groups. There was no one there that was 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 solo or independent anyway. Um, but. But but yeah, it's it's I I've done a few shows by myself, but I've gone with other people like Dan Dan. Well, obviously we were saying Dom and I and, and Dan was there as well. We went to um, Milan last year. Dan and I went to La Ferte the year before that, and and we've done a few sh- other shows um, between us. Um, and and actually, of course, well Nick and I were at um, Max last year. Yeah, with Gordon. On on the um, with Gordon yeah. and and Aaron who who obviously hasn't been on the podcast he's he's not one of the UCAR guys but he's a, a mate of ours um, on the the farcical uh, <laughs> media platform <laughs> yes <clears throat> and that that's something that I mean it's experiences like that that you you get you when you go abroad and just this, this nonsense getting on buses and getting shuttled over to other parts of the airfield and if you're not there and they happen to be there in the right time, you miss out because the, the bus doesn't come for another hour and a half and you miss <laughs> half the displays and absolute nonsense like that. That was a shambles. Um, that was is a that shambles. Is that one thing that differs from UK shows? 
Is it is the media platform livestock? Uh, it's opposite. It is, yeah, but it's on opposite side of the airfield. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it was very much livestock. Yes. We had flankers pointing their burners at us. <laughs> yeah, there was there wasn't <laughs> any, get much more live. There wasn't any fence between us and the <laughs> runways. No, no. Yeah, uh, well, that, there is actually that element. Yeah, I mean, it, obviously here we've had the complete banning of naughty fields and stuff like that. Whereas in in other countries, it's um, not only not banned. I mean in denmark the uh um the spotters photography area was under the display area um the live side the live part um in uh because because it was um north facing not that it mattered because it was cloudy all weekend but uh, in russia the, the media platform you had to sign an insurance waiver um in case a plane landed on you <laughs> um and 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 there is an element of that that, that has definitely disappeared from. Well, probably wasn't ever really here in the UK, but it's just different attitudes and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, I think going back to what about the start of the podcast talking about Osman, the the naughty field was absolutely rampant. Mm. There was families there, there were people pitching up near tables and chairs, a couple of barbecues. The police come down, didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. It's very much like that. I remember when I went when I went to Graphic Natievo last year. We had to cross a railway line to get to the front gate. <laughs> Just the entire the entire air show crowd were queuing up across this railway line. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember my, my friend Evo, who I was with, who's Bulgarian, was saying, "Your little British health and safety mind is dying right now." Isn't it, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> um. But but it is. I mean, I I the massive. I, I I do think if you haven't done it, obviously who knows how things are going at the moment. And we've already seen shows being cancelled for next year. The Danish air show, which was postponed until next year, has sadly already been cancelled. But if if you get the opportunity to go to a show abroad, absolutely do it, because that that you for more than anything you'll see stuff that you won't see in the UK, guaranteed. Um, there'll always be something that that's actually something that I. Um, that I don't find that appealing about the US military shows is that is simply by you know by by dint of the location and that, but the the lack of variety compared to a European show where you just you're not going to get other countries attending. No, or true. maybe maybe a British thing or a German thing or a Canadian thing. True, and I mean a lot of the US um, assets you paid. might see anyway in the UK. Um, well, exactly. But obviously, things like Warbirds and things like that, you you will see over there which obviously i got i was lucky enough to see the zero flying um mm-hmm. so that was that was quite special um mm. because there's i think there's only three of those flying in the world something like that it was just one no well i think there's one or two that have got the original engines and there's one that's mm. got an american engine i think okay um, um but that i mean that's one of my favorite things about air shows certainly in europe is just a variety you'll get you know half a dozen different countries at any given show i love it i love that um and that's one of the most enjoyable things about european shows so um on the other side of the hobby you've got going plane spotting now that is a very as i said before very very different prospect in other countries because you you are meeting varying different levels of acceptance and legality and all that sort of stuff 
Uh, one of the most accepting countries, one of the best but the most popular places people go spotting is Japan. Another thing you've done, isn't it, Nick? That is. That is something else I've That's done. An awful way of leading into that. Maybe <laughs> I'll re-record that. But yes, yeah, I did that with a tour group as well. Um, yeah. Mainly because of the logistics. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Because obviously we, f- we flew into Tokyo and then to get to Yakari is is a fair old trek. Um, so rather than having to sort of try and negotiate with Japanese taxi drivers or whatever, it was it's just easier to go with a tour group. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a pretty weird setup they've got there as well. I think it's something to do with the um, farmer-owned part of the field next to the airfield. Yes. Um, refused to sell his land. Um, so there's they've got this convoluted tunnel system of fences that takes you right up to one of the taxiways. Um, and then they've got these two towers erected that you can go and stand in. Uh, so it's a strange setup, but it is, it's amazing actually getting that close to the aircraft taxiing pass on a live um, mm. Japanese airbase. Mm. I mean, I mean, I, I having seen them from the other side of the fence, <laughs> um, they they are. I mean, they 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 are literally on the taxiway. It's bizarre, and it's this weird. If you look at it on the map, it is this weird little. It's just this very strange. Just little square of land with a tiny pathway it's like an island towards it it's like an island of land in the middle of an airbase um surrounded by fences but they're completely happy with it the fact that they've got these giant scaffolds going up <laughs> that people climb up and go up and take pictures and, and and that is the impression i've had everywhere is that they are absolutely as friendly and open and accessible if not more so than they are in the uk which is undoubtedly one of the best places in the world for plane spotting oh we got told off over there spotting Really? Yeah, in, in in the in the base, we went up to one of the fences that we weren't supposed to go up to. Um, walked towards the hangars, and uh, we got shooed away. Oh well, that's okay. Well, yeah. that made me look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I well, think that's. Always, always... I think it's because we could see into the hangars. I mean, there's another strange thing there as well. They get a few um, Chinese aircraft, passenger aircraft, come in every day. Mm. They close all of the hangars before these mm-hmm. aircraft mm-hmm. arrive just so they can't take photos into the hangars. And then well, it's... so, I mean, I'll put some perspective, uh, context into what I said earlier. I, I was I went to Hayakuri for a couple of days last year to do a, a feature for UCAR, actually, but still hasn't been approved um, on the retirement of the RF4s. And, yeah, that was the only thing I wasn't allowed to photograph was any photos that had even the slightest bit of hangar in the background I had to delete. Oh, really? Um, well, I mean, I just... Uh, not that that was many, because I knew, obviously... I knew from the outset that I wasn't going to be photographing them, but it, they did ask me to delete a few where I had there was even this. Not that you could see anything because it was obviously black against a very nicely, you know, well lit out exterior. Um, but but any any sort of shot into the hangar or bit bit of hangar inside, oh okay, uh, had to be deleted. But but when I you're, don't know why. But when you're on that little island bit, you can take shots into the hangar <laughs> as much well, as yeah, you want. Of course. <laughs> but it was like it was. Do you remember when the F-22s were here? And uh, that that first deployment to the UK was it 2015 or 2016? Oh, I can't remember. And um, when the, the few of us, obviously, they had a media day, and a few people went onto the base and take photos. And there was the the one rule they had all day was you couldn't take photos head on because you couldn't take photos down the intakes. Yep. The only rule all day, you know, they were so 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 strict about it, you couldn't shoot down the intakes. Of course, there were millions of people lining the fences. They'd go up and they'd do pirouettes for them <laughs> um, in front of the fences, showing off the planes to everyone. Again, I'm getting the photos straight down the intakes. It was the same when it came to Riyadh 
the next year or later that year. They were going around the Western Loop at the Western Park and View, and everyone getting photos straight down the intake yeah, from yeah, every yeah. angle you could possibly want. So it's just those weird little things, isn't it? Um, did you go anywhere else spotting in Japan? Uh, so uh, we did a rumour as well. We did a, a day at a rumour, mm-hmm. uh, and um, I forgot what the other place was, Atsuki. I think we did as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's the Navy, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, we didn't see too much there. It was pretty grey. Oh, I did, yeah. did get a US-2 as it came in. Um, nice. And a P-1. And a, some Orion thing that's got all lumps and bumps mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did Gifu as well. So. Okay. That, oh, Gifu I'd like to do. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. I didn't get um, I didn't get the Test C-1, which I was absolutely gutted about. But. No, I'd, I'd love to get all that. I mean, I was... <laughs> hoping to go to japan again in december but to, to do a follow-up with the with the, the f4s but you know that's not happening in december anyway um i did do a day a rumor and it was pretty gray and grim and i didn't have a step ladder so i couldn't get anything over the fence really well not without straining but um very very good day spotting loads of people out and about loads of locals just coming and taking pictures yeah. um i actually had someone come up to me and thank me for showing an interest <laughs> Like just in the in the in the in the air force where self defense force, yeah. G- genuinely, it was a guy just wanted to know, obviously because I didn't look Japanese. Um, he just came up and started chatting and said thank you for for being interested. <laughs> it was what a lovely experience. Um, they are very polite, very friendly. Yeah. The name machine gun while they're spotting as you do it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Of course they do. Of course they do. Um, and there were there were there were loads of people there, and actually they were very helpful um, when they switched runways. And I asked where the best place to go was, and they they you know even if they didn't really speak very good English, that's the case with Japan anyway. Like they they people will do whatever they can to help you if if you need it. It is incredible. I'd re- I, the thing with Japan obviously is expensive. It's a big place to go, a lot of money, and, and if you're going to go there, you're going to go there for. A, a week and a half at least i would suggest yeah. so that's that's when th- and it's an expensive country but i think in aviation terms there are a few better places than japan no no it is, it is incredible i mean driving driving is very expensive over there with all their um freeways and it's tolls. It's, it's the tolls <laughs> tolls are ridiculous i spent i can't remember i must have been about 40 quid each way on tolls yeah, yeah, just yeah. going from tokyo to hayakuri I think we went from oh. we went from Gifu to um, just north of Tokyo, probably not far from Sakuba, um, yeah. and it was something like seventy pounds for the toll. Yeah. It, it was it's, just ridiculous. It's, it's only a hundred odd miles. Mental. It's, it's crazy. It is. It's bizarre. But then if you don't take the tolls and you try and drive through the cities, oh my god, <laughs> it's just just yeah gridlock. It's just horrific. Incredible country. Yeah. I, I, it's incredible country. Someone asked me about Russia. Didn't you well, go to... <laughs> <laughs> um, so a few weeks ago, which I probably shouldn't have done, um, I went to Russia because it seemed to be, it was it was it, I just managed to catch it in the right timing um, of able to travel and restrictions not being in place. Um, and actually, Moscow was I think a couple of days after I left, went back into lockdown. Uh, to some degree so i timed it so well probably because of you <laughs> oh undoubtedly <laughs> because of me um and i had to quarantine for two weeks when i got back and all of that stuff 
so what I did in Russia, I do you know what? Do I want to talk about this on the podcast? <laughs> Go on. Indulge us, Sam. Yeah. So I went. I went. It was something I wanted to do. I was meant to go to Russia in May for um, Victory Day. And at the same time, I planned a trip out to Engels, where the 2160s and 295s are based. Uh, because the 2160 in particular was a plane I've always wanted to see. I mean, even since I was a kid, um, it had been a favourite aircraft of mine. I um, Playing it, seeing it in games like Ace Combat and seeing it in the little sort of magazine collecting you know folder things that you get just the most beautiful plane one of the most absolutely unbelievable looking aircraft ever made and i when i went to max in 2015 and saw one on static i was over the moon and then obviously saw one again last year but obviously not seeing it in the air is not the same um and i'd made this trip and i'd worked it out and i and do you know what going back to one of the very first episodes of the podcast we did um talking about social media and how we all completely denounced facebook but I could never have done this trip without Facebook because it was through Facebook that I knew a, a, a Russian spotter and a, a, a spotter from somewhere else who's done a few things in, in Russia um, who were very, very happy. I won't name them, um, but are very, very happy to give me advice and show me the best places on the maps to go, where to go um, at both Engels and Chikalovsky, which is outside Moscow and is the big transport base and so i had this planned and this was a complete solo trip so talking obviously earlier about that and flew out to moscow got a plane out to saratov uh drove which is very very nice lovely little airport brand spank it only opened end of last year beautiful beautiful airport right in the middle of nowhere drove down to wengels no one there speaks any english it's it's kind of run down it's a real typical old russian city which was very cool to see in its own way but uh no one you know no one in the hotel spoke english no one around i met one person who spoke two people who spoke english um one of whom was in the russian army and spoke fluent english and apparently was in the <laughs> telecommunications department so make of that what you Has will been to salisbury <laughs> <laughs> do you know what i didn't ask and i think i should have yeah, done now it's a lovely cathedral there apparently it's a lovely cathedral 123 <laughs> meter tall spire um and another guy who apparently lived in Thailand and spoke perfect English and was very drunk and a bit of an arsehole. <laughs> um, and, and, those, and fortunately, I found them. Otherwise, I would have been extremely bored and I would have been eating in restaurants by myself, as, as you said yeah. you can do, Nick. Um, yeah, and so spent a couple of days there sat outside a, a Russian bomber base, um, living on my nerves every single time a car came past. <laughs> So how close to the road were you? Were you right on the road then? Which road? Well, when you were outside uh, Engels. Um, you... The car was parked. No, it was on a dirt strip, dirt track. I, w- I was I was never more than a... I was never less than about two or 300 metres from the fence. Right. Um, and the, the places I'd been shown were... Um, you know... It, it, the Russian guy gave me, showed me on the map, like Greek, the, the, the places where you'll go, where in his words you'll be safe, and the places where you go, you can get better photos, but it's riskier. And as actually, as it happened, I never went to the risky areas because I never saw a point, and it looked like more effort than, not than it was necessarily worth, but just a higher risk than I was pre- prepared to take. Yeah, yeah. But I was parked on a dirt road, 
where there was surprisingly more traffic than I thought there was going to be. There just always seemed to be cars going past, which was really annoying. Um, and I did get a couple of people stopped a couple of times, um, one of whom thought I'd broken down and was offering to tow the car. <laughs> which was very kind, and I had to explain using Google Translate that the car was absolutely fine and I wanted to be there. And then another guy on the second day who was um, wanted to ask why I'd been there for two days in a row uh, <laughs> and what I was doing. It didn't seem like um, suspicious, or, or you know, I, mean, I didn't end up in prison, so obviously wasn't reported. But um, it genuinely seemed more curious than anything. Uh, but I ended up getting photos of two one sixties and two ninety fives, and uh, weirdly a couple of two twenty fives and uh a 2134 ubl and and you know I mean, you, well i mean you, you guys know because i was spamming you all along, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, um <laughs> yes. yeah we saw everything you got sam uh you didn't actually <laughs> so and but but it was nervy like it was a complete unknown um every single time a car came around the corner i was thinking you know is this going to be someone rapping on my window and that was the thing with doing something like that as much as I know that spotting is the thing people do in Russia, because I see photos on the internet all the time, very, very few from Engels. That was a, a big, that was an unknown, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, and, um, and and I know people have gone and I've seen photos, but just not many. It was very clear they don't get spotters there in great numbers. Um, and... You know, the problem is, it's one thing being right outside Moscow, but this was it. This is Engels, this is Saratov. It is so out in the middle of nowhere. It's a real, just average Russian city. No one really speaks English. There's not really much support there or anything that I could rely on there. I didn't know anyone there. And if people have come poking around asking questions, I don't speak enough Russian to be able to answer them. And I, you know, I don't think I would have been arrested, but I would have ended up in a room for a few hours probably, that kind of thing which is just not what you want to do. And, and so obviously it was a bit nervy. And actually on the second morning, I was actually down the other end of the base for the, for the morning uh, where I got departure photos. And I was there until a car full of people, obviously military people, because you could see the hats in, you know, in the windows. Um, they stopped. I was parked on a... So it's just going down the sort of dark road. And then there was another little off-road where I parked up which was a good 950 metres off the centre line. Um, I really wasn't close to the fence. But this car was going on the dirt track and they saw me and they stopped in front of me. Like, you can obviously, the listeners can't see it, but if I was parked here and then the road's going here, they came up, stopped, and I could see them peering at me for a bit. <laughs> and I pretended to be asleep. <laughs> um, and then they peered at me and then they carried on. And I waited until outside and then it was like, yep, time to go. So... Uh, yeah, moved on from there and went down the other end at that point because I wasn't taking any risks that, you know, it seemed too risky for my own comfort. And then similarly with the guy coming up and saying he'd noticed me there for two days yeah. in a row, it was like I didn't want didn't want to risk it um, the third day in a row, you know. See, I'd love to do angles, but that I don't think I would have the guts to do that, I don't think. Not on my own. If I was with two or three others, maybe, but... Well, this is this is the thing. If I go again if I would take a native speaker with me at the very least. Yeah. If nothing yeah. else, I'd want some company. <laughs> um, 
but uh yeah i take a native speaker and also i did a day at uh at Chikalovsky outside moscow where i saw il 86 vkp or il 80 as it's known max dome a couple of il 18s uh few il 76s you know all the good stuff um and that was an hour's trek through a forest after an hour's train journey so again <laughs> you know it was it wasn't easy to get to I think I was I felt more comfortable there but then even then that was a case of every time you know there there was a, a little area that it has loads of pallets that spotters go on and very clear obvious path to get to this space and there was there were people there when I was there and they were up by the wall it's not really a fence it's a concrete wall poking over and every time a, a truck or a car comes by on the other side of the road on the other side of the wall on the perimeter fence they all duck and hide and you have to <laughs> make sure you're not seen so it's this weird thing where it's clearly something people do all the time and they all post the photos online but if you get seen you well, you have to avoid being seen yeah so again i'd probably do that again but i don't know i i mean i'm i'm sat here and i'm describing it and it may well be actually in a i tell Ian to cut all this out <laughs> um but i wouldn't recommend it to people <laughs> <laughs> No. Uh, it seems to be safer places to go rather than uh, angles. Yeah, go to Mildenhall. <laughs> <laughs> um, or Fairford when the B1s are in town. Um, I'm pleased I did it. I don't regret it. It was a very stupid thing to do. But, on the other hand, I saw something what I've wanted to see since I was basically a kid. So, you know, that's what you got to do. I think most of us, if we had the opportunity, It wasn't. It it it. It was actually the first. I'll say this. It was the first solo trip, and I I, I love traveling by myself. I, I love to do it. It was actually the first time I've been abroad by myself or traveling by myself in a long time, about a year and a half at that point. So it was it was. I enjoyed that element of it. it was actually the longest I've ever done a solo trip by myself. Um, and I was out in Russia in total for about ten. And also, you know, it was. It's nice to go away. I mean, Russia of all places, but um, I went to see Swan Lake at the Bolshoi Theatre in Moscow, so that was <laughs> a huge bucket list item, and that was an unforgettable experience. So there was that as well. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to finish that. Um, <laughs> I still look at the, still look at my photos on Flickr and be like, blackjacks, <laughs> bears, bears with cruise missiles on their wings. Mental. Yes, I'm not jealous at all. Yeah, maybe uh, when when you say it like that, maybe it was. <laughs> well, I think bits of it were okay. I think when you were describing your uh, your hide and seek with the uh, authorities. Yeah. Oh, honestly, mate, if that door had opened, I, I would have shot. <laughs> <my rented car. laughs> Genuinely, if he if he got out the car. I I think I I I just fainted in fear. I, <laughs> I was so scared at that moment, and I and I you know the the guy he got the info from and his all his info was fantastic. I mean I literally could never have done it without him. And and the other guy as well, credit to him. And I, I won't name them because, um, you know don't want to implicate them in anything. But yeah, they were really really helpful for both bases. Um, and it, and he said these are spaces you won't be bothered here because you're far away from the base and you know. But at the same time, I was stepping out with a gigantic camera and taking pictures of Russian nuclear bombers. So no, you're not Russian. There's an inherent, there's an inherent, inherent level of risk, isn't there? Yeah. Um, but we'll see. Uh, 
I'd do it again. Maybe not right now, but now that I know what to do. Chikalowski, definitely. Engels is a much more of a trek, and is, he does feel a bit more risky because you are that much more isolated there. Chikalowski, where you're an hour outside Moscow, and I've got mates in Moscow, and I know other people in Moscow. Um, Engels is better. I would... Eng- I mean, it is, but you don't knock what's at Chikalowski. No, no, no. I mean, but yeah, it's more transport, isn't it? It's rather than... Russian transports. Yeah, I know, but it's still not Russian bombers. And, and... It's not Russian bombers. It's Il 62s, 2154s, 2134s. I'm not disputing any of that. Il 86. Are you seeing any, <laughs> Ill, Ill, you seeing any, any Il 86s anywhere else, Nick? No, I haven't. <laughs> no. Actually, I was so lucky at Chikalovsky. Um The guys I spoke to, the one who isn't Russian, said he's been to Chikalovsky four times and he's never seen the Il 80. Um, and the other guy who lives about 10 kilometers away from the base he goes there he says he goes there two or three times um, every month and he says he's seen it like twice and i go there and it was circuit bashing all day long (laughs) and i could not believe i could not believe when i came out the little forest clearing set my seat up and the first thing that screams above the wall is this ill 80 with this dome on the front of it above the cockpit and these weird pods under the wings these ridiculously loud screamy engines this hideous airliner Oh mate. So when he was at when he was at the airfield, did you speak to any spotters? No. What is there? Um I, I wish I had. The reason I didn't was because there were there's a few pallet things where you can stand on to get a look over the fence. And the only one I was able to stand on um Well, it makes it sound limited, but the only one that looked was really possible to stand on easily, um, was just full. There were there was already three people like there, all Russians. And I could have gone, and, and you know, it's spotters of spotters on there. wasn't going to go over, and they were going to what, report me to the guys on the other side of the fence. <laughs> um, and I should have gone over and said hi, really, but I didn't want to go over and be like, "Hi, I'm British. Can I stand on the pallet instead of you?" You know, I didn't, because otherwise it would have been a bit weird. And they might well have been like that, but you know, who knows? Do I should have done. I should. I should have said hi. Do you think they would like a trip? Uh, spot Western Western aircraft as much as Western spot there. So the guy in Moscow, uh, the, the Russian guy who gave me the advice by Engels, I met up with him in Moscow and, and bought him a couple of beers to say thank you. And I got, I asked him that question, and he said that the, and I don't know where how much he was talking about himself and how much he was talking about Russian spotters in general, but the impression I got is that Russian spotters, generally speaking, own, like old planes. So they like the old Soviet stuff. They don't. Apparently, people don't really care for the Su-57 at all. Um, much the same as people here generally don't care for the F-35, I suppose. Um, and I was asking him, you know, would you would you do the same? And he said he would. He would love to come spotting in the UK. Um, I know he's been to the US a couple of times, or maybe once. I think he has anyway. Um, but he was saying he'd love to see things like the F-15s and the tornadoes and stuff like that. So I think there is an element to that. Um, I don't. I think, in general, Russians aren't as interested in Western stuff as Western stuff. Western people are interested in Russian stuff. I think, um, but you never know. I mean, it might. That might just be you. You see a more general, particularly Russia is quite a nationalist country anyway, um, and you see a more general the more general trend rather than the more specific enthusiast outlook like you see here like if you, i'm sure from their point of view they see british people 
you know fawning over typhoons and um stuff like that with that and obviously then you get more specific subsets of enthusiasts who love the soviet and russian stuff um but i don't know i i, I think i'm sure given half the chance most of them you know to, in, russian enthusiasts would love to come and do a spotting trip in the west as most of us would you know go a lot of places I think their their aircraft preservation scenes only sort of really started, hasn't it? They there didn't seem to be much interest in in aircraft before that. Um, so I don't know if that's just a general thing that Russians generally aren't as interested in aircraft. Well, this is where I should have done the ill two article that I've never ever got around to doing, and it's over a year and a half late now, so it's probably too late. But no, there's there's they, there's a not really the money for it. There was never a preservation scene in the USSR other than museums, um, so there was no base for it to be built on. They've got loads of airframes like well preserved in the Siberian tundra and well not the Siberian tundra, but but in in conditions from the war where they've been preserved very well, and it's slowly growing. They are growing more. Yeah. Um, but there's just it's just not a scene there. No, it's not like the so US. It's something is they it? have to. It's not. See, they don't have air shows either. So no. if you've got Max, they've maybe got a couple of other things that happen occasionally, or maybe it's a few local things that have a few air. You know, very very small local air festivals, but there's no air show scene to support a preservation effort. No, their air shows are to support selling military hardware. When you look, yeah. when you look at Max well, or well, Army yeah. Expo, they're they're all there. Yeah, well, ex- exactly, hundred percent. So. I hope that's whetted your appetites for air shows overseas and maybe brought back some memories of good ones you've been to. And and obviously, if you've you know joined discussion, there's there's loads of threads about overseas shows and, and reviews as well on the website. Um, you might like to to, to go over. Uh, so thanks for listening. It's another episode uh, of the podcast. Uh, we're on all the social media uh, at UK Air Show Review, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, the website is airshows.co.uk where you can read all our shows and we, we have a, a whole section for the international reviews, overseas reviews I should say uh, and you can join in the forums at forums.airshows.co.uk Thank you very much and uh, see you for another week. Goodbye <laughs>